I'm going to talk to you today about the Mass. The liturgy is what enculturates the gospel for us. What are you, some kind of altar boy? And, and it enculturates it into our day-to-day life, our, our day-to-day existence. It's pretty dang exciting, huh? We're called not to some crapshoot called life, but to an adventure in fidelity that beckons us to cast out to the deep. Chris, uh, I understand you have a... Uh... Something special for oh, us again. Something special. Again. Yes, yes. I'm like Santa Claus of the liturg- uh, liturgy guys. I almost said the liturgical guys. I don't even know the name of this podcast, Jesse. Anyway, uh, yes, we have a quiz coming up on the sacrament of baptism. We haven't done one of these for a while, um, but we're going to do one today. So good luck, Jesse. All right. These always make me very nervous, but uh, I guess uh, we'll give it a shot. Why did you say good luck to Jesse and not to me, Chris? Thanks a lot. <laughs> I was just talking to Jesse. You weren't on the call, were you? Um, actually, Jesse should be more offended thinking that oh. you think he needs luck and I don't. But <laughs> no, that's an appropriate uh, attribution there, I think. So. But I saw my my print edition of Adoram's Bulletin came and I saw the quiz in there and it took an almost heroic amount of strength. You want to know why I believe in Jesus? Because I didn't look at the answers <laughs> to the quiz before we did it here. Did you cheat, Jesse? No, I did not. Oh, I think you failed the polygraph on that one. You're like, no, I did not. <laughs> no, I definitely did not. This is no, going to be I very... I did not cheat on the quiz. <laughs> All right, what do you got for... Hey, this isn't about the year, Chris. Why are we talking about baptism? Let me tell you, because this is a quiz on baptism. Oh, I know and, that. Well, yeah, you've, you've have How many kids do you have now? Four? Yeah, four. Sorry, okay. I, mute, I mute my mic because there's background noise here, and then I'm not ready to respond right away. Yeah, yes, he doesn't I know how many kids he has. I had to go count. Uh, <laughs> we, we have um, four, four with us uh, here on Earth, and then two yeah. that we've lost. So. Okay, all right. So, so you might have the advantage here, Jesse. He should have the advantage. Baptismal prep and everything. Yeah. I don't know anything. Oh no, 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 Doctor McNamara. How you're a godfather? Though, yeah, right? yeah. You really? probably have more godchildren than four. I have godchildren. Hmm. Oh, you mean like your kid? Yeah. Yeah. Well, there's one, for example. <laughs> How many gods think, godchildren do you have? Uh, I think six. Okay. Well, so I don't know who has the advantage. Well, none of their all their parents are alive, so I haven't had to learn anything to teach them. But. Uh, <laughs> Let's see how it goes anyway. Does, okay. does Lars ever say to you, you're not my real dad. You're just my <laughs> god dad. Oh, he loves He does if I'd seen him in person. Yeah. I sent him a Lego. Uh, Advent calendar this year, so yeah, I bribed him with that. Yeah, I think he sent you a text with my. He did, yeah, yeah. Yes, it was nice. He was supposed to be writing you a note, but you know, life just went on. So bad parents, good. Yeah, all right. We are are bad parents. Okay, all right. Yeah, we have a quiz on uh, on the sacrament of baptism and its liturgical celebration. Now we, this is you know, we're not going to do all Eucharist all the time during this year. even though you know, Baptist does lead to the Eucharist, so I think we can we can get away with that. So this is our so, Laetare Sunday of the season. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So you know how this works. This was in the January Autoramus Bulletin. You know how this works. There's ten questions. Yeah, and Most there's always of, like a both or kind of and. Yeah, yeah. It's so I was tricky. going through this today. There was, there was some of that. Oh, I didn't word that very well. Anyway, yeah. So there's ten of these. Um, let's see. Uh, who wants to go first? Have us pick a number between one and twenty. Never as close as to twenty. Okay, go. Twenty. Four. The seventeen. No. All right, so, so, do you do you elect to uh, receive or to kick? 
Uh, I'll punt it off to Jesse. Okay, Jesse, you're going to go first then, all right? So I'll all right. Uh, keep, keep my... Uh, but I get to pick which direction we go, right? <laughs> Just listen into the It's into the wind okay. either way. All right, here's question number one. Where in the church does the rite of baptism begin? Oh, Answers you know are this? A, entrance, B, nave, C, ambo, D, font. Entrance. Ding, 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 ding. I should have elected to receive. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I hope you don't regret that. Yeah. It's at the entrance, right? And so, um, right. So catechism says that calls baptism the gateway to life in the spirit and the door, which gives access to the other sacraments. And so if that's the unseen reality that gets sacramentalized outwardly by, well, I know this is not your question, uh, Dennis, but what do do you think about the, the placement of the font at the door of the church? You have an opinion on that? Well, I mean, people have been saying that for 70 years now, and we think of it as a more recent phenomenon. Um, you know, my personal favorite is the idea of the baptistry is a separate building, just uh, like it is in the great European cities. You're not a citizen until you go through there, and then you go out, cross the piazza, and go triumphantly into the church. Mm-hmm. But being that that's not very uh, feasible for most people to have seating and cold and rain and stuff like that, um, I guess it's all right. It yeah. just is, it sets up so many practical problems that yeah. I don't know that it's a great idea. Yeah, great. sometimes sacrament sacramentality and practicality don't always uh, go hand in hand. But I have a, a technicality yeah. uh, clarification on that. So yeah. most churches have like a narthex. So yeah. would the be would the beginning of the baptism happen at the entrance of the church in the narthex, or if your church has a narthex, it's still more appropriate to like stand outside. Uh, That'd and, be the better one is to actually stand outside. But I think it's the yeah. door that what's happening is it's symbolized by the door. So even if you don't have a font at the door, it says that the ministers, if possible, meet the parents and candidate at the door of the church, because this is your sacramentalizing entrance into the church by the location. Good. All right. All right. So that'd be Jesse one and Dennis about to begin. Mm-hmm. All right, Dennis. Number two, which of the following are requirements for a godparent? A, uh. <laughs> a, be a relative or close friend of the candidate or the family. B, must have completed his or her 16th year. C, must not be the mother or father or grandmother or grandfather of the candidate. D, must at least be baptized. Which of the following four? There only one of those four is an actual requirement. Which one is it? Only one is a requirement. Only one of those four. Oh, well, A was uh, what was A again? Be a it's relative a. or close friend. Right. It didn't have to be, be a, that, right? Okay. No. no, you're right. And then B, B must have completed his or her sixteenth year. Uh, I think that one's right. You think it is? Well, I, I think your instincts are good. Oh my gosh. Okay. All right. Good. We'll give it. We'll, can, can I? Can I get a leading? You know. Oh well, come hint. on. The reason I gave Dennis will help there is this is the one I was not satisfied with how I answered. So C must not be the mother or father, and that's true. You cannot be the mother or but father. But you can and, be a grandparent. But you can be grandmother yeah. or grandfather. So that uh, one's out. D is must be at least baptized. You have to be fully initiated. So just being baptized is not enough. You also have to be confirmed and have received your first holy. I am so smart. Yeah. S-M-R-T. And, and if not, you're demoted to Christian witness and nobody wants that. <laughs> that's, that's right. All right, Jesse. Okay, so we're tied at one. Jesse, number three, is true or false 
grandma should baptize her grandchildren if the parents will not. I'm just waiting for the hint. It's I'll give you you have uh, one or two, one of two options. I'll narrow it down yeah. to that. <laughs> it's already narrowed down, Justin. The answer is false. Uh that's correct. The answer is false. Grandma should not grand baptize the grandchildren if the parents will not. This one bugs me, I have to say. Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. Tell us yeah. why, Chris. Well, for one, the law says, uh, this is uh, the Code of Canon Law 868, uh, for an infant to be baptized licitly, the parents or at least one of them or the person who legitimately takes their place must consent. Okay, So that's what the law says. What's the reasoning behind the law? Uh, this is what St. Thomas Aquinas says. Uh, he makes a not an ecclesial law or canon law argument, but a natural law argument. He says... Um, uh, the parents have natural rights, and after the birth of a child, they're in, under the care of their natural parents. This is the natural way of things. And so he says, quote, hence, it would be contrary to natural justice if a child, before coming to the use of reason, were to be taken away from its parents' custody or anything done to it against the parish, the parents' wish, end quote. So that's the summa uh, secunda secunde. Question 10. What if the parents don't really care either way and say, sure, whatever you want, it doesn't mean anything to me. Okay. If, well, sure, whatever you want is consent. And I'll tell you why I'm asking this because back when yeah. I was younger and dumber, I had a yeah. secular friend who had a baby and she wasn't yeah. going to get the baby baptized. And, and she said, oh, so you might as well tell me you have magic beans, like Jack and the Beanstalk. And I said, all right. And she said, you had to go out in the car, get something. I said, well, I'm going to baptize your baby in the sink while you're gone. Yeah. Okay. And so now she has a baptized daughter <laughs> with no baptismal certificate. Uh, I'm wait, pretty sure I but, wouldn't do that But did that the beans now. turn into a beanstalk? I'm really confused. That's what I want to know. Well, they did in the story, yeah. So uh, she was wrong there, too, with her analogies. Even. <laughs> so now this daughter, yeah. I don't think, knows she's been baptized. There's no record of it. Mm-hmm. Maybe she was infused with some supernatural grace, but uh, sure, she, she hasn't was. had the chance to live yeah. up to it. So yeah. what, what do I do? Yeah. Well. I think she ought to know. Mm-hmm. She ought to know. But again, the question is should. I mean, so you can validly do that. It would be illicit, but it would actually be a baptism. But the question is, should you do it? Well, and here, at least, according to the to the code and St. Thomas, no, you shouldn't do it. Well, that's because without they, the parents' yeah. consent. This I had the parents' consent. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But it just wasn't. I mean, yeah. is it doing that outside of a church licit? No, no, because you're not following the, the, the rite of baptism. Mm-hmm. But it would be see the you know there are many priests today who are have people coming to their door that uh, you know they, uh, a grandparent uh, you know a, a single parent whatever wants their child to be baptized but the family is not or the child the infant is not in a uh, in a situation where the baptism will may I don't want to say take but flourish grow you know and so I think many priests are like well. I'm not going to deny the baptism, but we need to do, we need to get some certain things in order so that when you are baptized, that grace that is infused in you can actually be fruitful for you. And that doesn't seem to be the situation that you're describing because it's not. No. So is it better to have no infused graces than infused graces that don't grow? This is where I have a hard time with with that. I I think the, the church would probably say it's not either or, it's better to make the circumstances right so that baptism right. will be fruitful but anyway one last little caveat though is if a child is in danger of death baptized does you don't need anybody's permission to do that anyway 
just for the record. All right. What so if the we, grandma feeds the kid peanuts knowing that they're allergic just so that she can baptize she can baptize the kid? The kid. Oh my goodness. <laughs> All right. We have that'd be a fascinating to discuss, but we need to move along. <clears throat> Number four. So this is back to you, right, Dennis? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Number four. What are the church's guidelines for baptismal names? Here's four. Uh, must be a family name. That's A. B. Must no. be a saint name. No. C. Must not be a weird name. <laughs> D. Must not be foreign to Christian sensibility. And only one of these is right, right? Only one of those is right. I think it's D then. It is D. Yeah, that's Canon 855. Parents, sponsors, and the pastor are to take care that the, that a name foreign to Christian sensibility is not given. So, yeah, it doesn't have to be a saint's name. Uh, it could be Madison or Michaela or whatever, something like that. Well, Michaela is a good Michael name, but yeah. Oh, yeah, I guess it is. Shouldn't it be? I mean, isn't it good to be a saint's name? Give sure it is. something to live up to. And sure, sure, and sure. Think about. Yes. Be like St. Christopher, you know, doesn't exist. Good name for Dennis, you. Dennis. Right? Yes. Dennis. He does. But uh, yeah, so the, the, the question is, uh, what are the church's guidelines? It's not should, uh, things mm. like that. Yeah, it should be. Should be so mm -hmm. anyway. So Beelzebub is out. That's a baptismal name. Well, unless he's anyway. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Two to two. Okay. Come two on, to Jesse. two. Yeah. Real horse race here. Number five. Uh, uh, Jesse. Whew. Imagine a colder than normal day in Wisconsin, and only solid ice rather than liquid water is available for baptism. Such an action would be a valid but illicit. B invalid but licit c invalid and illicit d valid and licit that's like you mean like <laughs> dropping an ice cube on a kid's head is that what you're saying yeah so just for the sake of the question it's not like partially melted ice it's just solid ice there's no water in the in this equation at all solid Okay. Do you want me to repeat those? Just you know, I think I'll just tell you what it is, and then you'll tell me okay. what letter it is. Okay. okay. To my to my knowledge, I would say that is illicit and invalid. Illicit and invalid. What do you think, Dennis? I agree, because it has to be poured, yeah. right? And you can pour ice. Yeah, Jesse, good job. You could pour little tiny ice cubes. Yeah. Is there such thing as something that is um, invalid? Illicit. Licit but invalid. That's no, not like a. No. That's not possible. That's not right? a thing. That's yeah, not yeah. Thing. Okay, so that's right, so where, yeah. Let's back. Well, what does it mean that we say a sacrament is valid? It means that you've got proper form and matter, proper form, proper matter, proper intention, proper recipient. And when all that's happened, Jesus shows up, and His saving work is poured upon you through the sacrament. That's what's valid. If it's invalid, it means something's gone haywire there, and there ain't no Jesus, and there's no working through that sacrament. It hasn't what, affected the reality that nope. it signifies. Correct. Oh, it has. There you go. Yeah. Now, licit or illicit means that not only is it valid, but it has also followed all of the prescriptions of the ritual. Okay. All of the finer details, if you want to put it that way. So if you celebrated mass with leavened bread as in the Roman rite, okay, that would be valid, valid but, but illicit. illicit because it's not right. following the the laws of, of the church. Okay. So the, but this is this uh, question about if you poured ice cubes instead of water, why is that invalid? Because ice is not water. 
Uh, yeah. Okay. So you've been soaking up this sacramental theology for all of these years. You just throw that out there. But now many people would say, oh, it is water, right? Just like steam is water. But it doesn't signify washing and cleansing. Dennis, that's exactly what you look for is the sign signified. Yeah, because baptism signifies drowning in water, being cleansed by water, and being born to new life out of water. And ice doesn't do those things. And so the Steam, church, is, however, you could definitely <laughs> so the church's sacraments are efficacious signs, not efficacious molecules or chemicals or things like that. So even if on the molecular level, you might be talking about the same thing, the church's liturgical and sacramental system isn't about molecules and chemicals. It's about signs and symbols and sacraments that signify and ice just doesn't signify those things that, that was one of our questions on the uh, liturgical institute comprehensive exams signs confer grace by signifying mm. explain grace sure. is not conferred by wishing although you would want the consent of the person as well of course it's the signification that is the conferral without That's, the signification ain't no conferral all comes down to that good well, All Jesse's right. winning as usual. Yes, yeah, should we you just are end the lead. Are we out of time? Should we end the show now? <laughs> yes. Yeah, might as well. All right, Dennis. We we should probably should pick this up a little bit though. Uh, so, Dennis, number six. Which of the following Old Testament accounts is a prefigurement of baptism? Ooh. A. Moses leads the chosen people out of Egypt through the Red Sea. Mm -hmm. B. Joshua leads the chosen people into the Promised Land through the Jordan. Mm -hmm. C, Elijah leads Elisha through the Jordan River before Elijah's taken up in the fiery chariot. D, Naomi, all, leads, oh. D, Naomi leads Ruth from Moab to Bethlehem through the Jordan River. E, all of the above, F, A, and B. Ooh, G, gosh. some of the above. I, my instinct was all of the above, A and B, A and E, what did you say? Or the last one was options A and B, Red Sea and Jordan River. Mm. Josh. Well, they're all pretty much the same, right? So, but one of them is leading the whole people. One of them is a personal thing. Maybe I'm overthinking. You are. Thank you. Thank you, Jesse, for <laughs> for being so generous with the help. You're just, hey, so is, is letter E your final Jesus answer? Your savior and just be glad for me. <laughs> yes, E is all of the above is my oh, final answer. Dennis, Remember, I was on ding, all ding, cylinders ding, today. Ding, ding, I think he's firing on some <laughs> cylinders. I was the one who yes. was thought that, you know, I needed the luck. And all mm -hmm. of a sudden, you're just uh, throwing this can't, stuff at Dennis. Just be glad for me, Jesse. Just be glad for me. All right. So at each instance, right, a people passes through water uh, and leaves behind them uh, kind of an earthly, mundane life of sin, sorrow, and enters into a land of abundant food, like uh, Ruth, uh, heaven, like uh, Elijah, uh, promised land, like uh, Joshua, freedom, like Moses. So all of those could be considered types or foreshadows of baptism. And you know, one of my favorite things is several of the basilicas in Rome, yeah. you know, the oldest churches in Rome have great mosaic programs in the east end behind the altar. And where the apse, which is kind of like a half dome, comes down in a curve, meets the wall, it's straight. The bottom of those mosaics, three or four of them have the Jordan River, the bottom. Uh -huh. And you cross the Jordan River to get to Christ, who's up there in heaven with the saints and the angels and everything. Except the Jordan River is not a barrier. In this case, there's little angels swimming in it, and there's swans. And there's one of them has a, uh, I think it's John Ladder, and has a, an angel wind windsurfing on the Jordan River. It's like, it's a fun thing now instead mm. of a barrier to the promised land. Mm. So. Oh, and the throne of God cool. in heaven is surrounded by the sea, right? And you cross the sea to get to it. Sea of crystal in heaven. So uh, water, good. We like. Love it. 
Love it. All right. Number seven, back to you, J-Dub. True or false? The baptism of Jesus in the Jordan is the most definitive and authoritative institution of the sacrament of baptism. The baptism of Jesus in the Jordan River? I would yep. say true. It's false. Oh, that was so yeah. tricky. Now I'm glad I punted. Yeah. Would you have said true? I think I would have. Yeah. Yeah. What, are they, right, what so else the, is there? Okay. So in the last question, we talked about Old Testament foreshadows. Okay. But when Christ shows up, he is like the definitive author and institutor and authorizer of the sacraments. And so there's a number of things that Jesus will do in the flesh to institute all of the sacraments. Uh, but when it comes to baptism, for example, you know, he talks about Nicodemus and about how, um, you know, the necessity of being born of water and the spirit. Well, is that the institution? Um, you know, before his uh, ascension into heaven, he tells the apostles to go teach baptizing all nations in the name of the Father and the Son. Is that the definitive institution? Is it his baptism in the Jordan, which is the most definitive institution? I think the answer to that is no, it's none of those. It's none of those. It's from the definitive institution of every sacrament is Jesus upon the cross. That's the ultimate uh, core. Because water all, flowed out of his side. Uh, partly. Um, but um, it's because all of the sacraments lead us back to the Paschal mystery of Christ, the person of Christ on the cross and give us access to his open side and his open heart. That's the Isn't fount. That's the fount of all of the sacraments. All of them lead back to them. So, well, then could you say mm -hmm. that the Last Supper is not the definitive institution of the Eucharist by that? Yes, thinking? I'd say that. What? Can That's I throw really. the challenge? Can I throw the challenge, Paul or Corporal here? Um, <laughs> so this I, I is. Mean, I this feel, is a I feel like that's so like pretty pretty tricky. That is not tricky at all. That is fundamental sacramental theology one hundred and one. It's pretty tricky. All of the, it's not tricky. All of the sacraments ultimately tricked, tricked you, come from the source and know. of all sacraments is the open heart of the Redeemer on the cross. So St. Uh, Ambrose on this point, quoting the Catechism, says, See where you are baptized. See where baptism comes from, if not from the cross of Christ, from his death. I'm not the saying water it's wrong, up. but it's tricky. I think you did say it. Ad admit it's tricky, Chris. It's not tricky. It's I don't think it's wrong. I and think even, it's tricky. But you know, to that Last Supper question, Dad, <laughs> yes, you know, the institution of the Eucharist is, uh, I think, admitted, the most fundamental institution is Christ upon the cross. The Last Supper reaches ahead of time, into time, and anticipates it, just like today we reach back in time in a certain sense and recapture mm -hmm. it, but it's all to the cross. I'm calling Cardinal Burke on this one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He'd... He would back you, I know. Okay, so now we're up to, uh, to uh, let's see, number eight. Is that right? Yes. So we're back to, uh, to Dennis. Yeah, why don't you just keep giving them the answers and then uh, get the show on the road. Dennis, which biblical story helps explain why nine out of ten baptismal fonts has eight sides? Mm. Well, nine out of ten dentists recommend trying it for their patients who chew gum. A, oh, yeah. The creation of the cosmos. B, the story of the great flood in Noah's Ark. C, the resurrection of Jesus. D, all of the above. E, none of the above. What is the question? Which the question most, is which, which biblical story? No, 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 not which is best. Which one helps explain why nine out of ten fonts has eight sides? 
Well, it's certainly creation, right? Because creation is six days, the seventh day and rest, and the eighth day is the day of eternity. But we okay. wouldn't have the day of eternity if we didn't have the resurrection of Jesus, which that's letter C, right? It's letter C. What was B again? The story of the great flood in Noah's Ark. Hmm. Well, there's kind of a rebirth there, but I don't know if that specifically has... Oh, yeah, there's some numbers, numbers in that, right? I can't remember exactly how. But uh, so the answer is all the above or none of the above. Mm -hmm. Where's my hint, Chris? I'm sorry. Well, I'm starting getting the stink he's, eye from he's Jesse. All, here. He's all <laughs> out of them. I'll all go out all, of the, hints. all the above. Yeah, it's all of the above. All right, so, so you've explained why creation and cosmos, right? Because eight, uh, if, if creation is uh, seven, new creation is eight. If nature is seven, supernature is eight. If time is seven, eternity is eight. Okay. Jesus rises on the eighth day. How, Jesse, who is in the ark besides uh, the animals and the unicorns? Oh, seven, seven somethings. You had 40, Noah. 40 pairs. This is Noah. And you mm -hmm. had Sham, Hem, Shem, Ham, and Japheth and, and their wives. Curly and Mo. No. No, you had, oh. eight, you had eight persons in the ark. And the letter of the Hebrews will talk about this too, about the eight persons, you know, they're kind of the seed of a new creation, which is what baptism is, is the start of a new creation, the seed planted in you of a new creation. So I have it's a new all name of those. You, Chris. It's yeah, the quiz map. You are the quiz master. master. Yeah. You guys should write some of these sometime. They're really hard to do though, actually. I believe it. Yeah. Way too much time. All right, Jesse, number nine. Oh man. I don't one. like hearing that. All right. All right, now pay attention. Jeez. Oh, Which of the following elements appears in both the order of baptism for children and in the rite of Christian initiation of adults? Which of these appears in both? A, the sponsor godparent marks the candidate with the sign of the cross at the beginning of the rite. B, the newly baptized vests in an alb after emerging from the waters of the font. C, the candidate for baptism is anointed with the oil of catechumens prior to baptism. D, the newly baptized is anointed with sacred chrism following the baptism with water. E, all of the above, F, none of the above. Okay, which of those appears in both for infants and for adults? Can you read the first one and the last yep. one? First one A and is, D, I think. That's one. Yeah, the first one is sponsor godparent marks the candidate with the sign of the cross at the beginning. Uh, B is vests in an alb uh, after coming out of the water. C is uh, oil of catechumens before baptism. D is uh, sacred chrism after the water. All of the above or none of the above? I think the uh, uh, the D, the chrism after the after the water is my answer. Is is the only one that appears in both? Yes. Okay, that's wrong. I'm sorry. This is, is this is a tricky one. <laughs> All of those appear. All of those appear. So it's all of the above. Well, hold on. Hold on. In the rite of uh, baptism for infant children, mm -hmm. yep. in, in the rite, there mm -hmm. is a, uh, a wardrobe change? Uh, yeah. Yeah. You're not supposed to bring the baby yeah. in. The really? Rite, right. Yeah. The baby doesn't show up wearing the gown. That comes in after. Oh, yeah. You're after. right. You place. Okay. Yeah. Oh, dang yeah. it. Yeah, oh, this that. is tricky. So, and then the oil of the catechumens that happens in the rite of infant baptism, but for adults, it happens during the period of the catechumenate. Yeah, uh, that's what they're. Before. Yeah, that's what they're. Yeah. Right. That so that's that. in both. Uh, okay. For an infant, the post-baptismal anointing is sacred chrism uh, 
just to anticipate confirmation for an adult, it is the confirmation, but they're both anointed with chrism and both uh, get marked with the sign of the cross. So for adults, it's at the right of the order of acceptance to the order of catechumens. So, yeah. yeah that's, I, you know, that's I, had a a, I had a, that, I had a hunch that was all, I forgot. So we, you know, we have the, um, the white garment uh-huh. and, and, you know, we had a white baptismal, you know, dress for our, our children. And then I, yeah. you told me that, that they, they should not yeah. enter that way. Yeah. They put so it on we, after. So we had um, like, what is it like a bib or whatever? Mm-hmm. We actually had one custom made from my wife's wedding dress. And that's oh, what, that's cool. Put, that's what we put on oh, them. Yeah. Really cool. Yeah. Yeah. In the, in the question I said, I called it an alb, right? Cause that's what the, that's basically what is put. It's a little baby. Alb. I know. I know. So good. Man. All right. Well, I'm, since I'm the quiz master, as you uh, rightly said, Dennis, I'm going to mix mm-hmm. up the rules a little bit because right now it's Dennis four, Jesse three. And so I'm going to put this question back to Jesse, give him a chance to tie it up. Okay. Out of my great love for you, Jesse, I will allow <laughs> this. There, it's because there's an odd number of questions. Well, there's an even number. It's oh, just that okay. you're just, whether Dennis would get this right or wrong, he would be the winner. So, so the answer is I'm winner or time. So here or false, Jesse, true or false. The gifts of the Holy Spirit are bestowed at baptism. I would say true. That's correct. That's correct. So, right. Cause what's, what's sort of the common uh, thinking here is when do you get the Holy Spirit? Well, common but, confirmation, yeah, yeah. but it's no, no. confirmation is the completion of the baptismal. The, the, yeah, the completion, the intensification, the amplification. Yeah, but what the catechism says is uh, at baptism, you become a temple of the Holy Spirit, uh, and that gives the recipient, quote, the power to live and act under the prompting of the Holy Spirit through the gifts of the Holy Spirit, end quote, CCC 1266. So, yeah, right. should Yeah. I don't have a tiebreaker. So let's just uh let's, let's just, just say um, out of my great magnanimity, <laughs> I allow you to share my glory, Jesse. This is like oh, Christ, okay. you know? No, I do have a tiebreaker. I do have a tiebreaker. Okay. For is a, years. Is this like a fastest uh, for years? No, no, no. You both have a chance to answer this. For years, the popes have been saying, know the date of your baptism. Mm-hmm. Know the date of your baptism. Dennis, I don't know the when date were you baptism? <laughs> Jesse, when were you baptized? August 18th. Really? I'm pretty sure. Totally <laughs> making that up. <laughs> I looked it up. I, okay. I, I got my uh, baptism certificate or whatever when, uh, when Kim and I got married. And that's, okay. uh, yeah. I know it was October, but I don't know what day. All right. All right. I was December 27th, 1971. Just look that up. You didn't have to give the year. Jeez. (laughs) In complete answers. All right. Well, that's all I got. Thanks, guys, for uh, playing along. And uh, as per usual, you win nothing. All right. So this whole episode, Chris asked us questions. (laughs) Now we have a liturgy question for Chris. Yes. Bingo. Mail call. Mail call. Moses, Moses, why do you question me? Why do you care? Today, we have a similar debate over this. Anyone know what this is, class? Anyone? In my case, sir, the question is totally without meaning. Hello, liturgy guys. Hello. Hello. Jesse. Wait, who's reading this? Whose question does this come from? <laughs> I, say hello I, suppose I, I suppose I should have told you this is from Kunagunda. Yeah. Oh, Kunagunda. Uh, I forgot that I usually uh, say that. Hello, Kunagunda. Uh, 
Goody Gunda says, I recently got an argument with my husband about Ash Wednesday being a holy day of obligation. Please tell me that it is not, in fact, a holy day of obligation. It is not, in fact, a holy day of obligation, even uh, though most people. Oh, wait, is it that is. the right answer, though? That, is, or are you yes, just telling her what she needs that, to hear? That is my final answer. <laughs> you don't trust me when I say, oh, no, I see what you're saying. Okay. No, it's not. It's not. It's one of the great uh, kind of. April Fool's Day events of the liturgical year is that everybody thinks it's a holy day of obligation, but she ain't. Yeah, not. It's one of the few you can tell if you've been though. You have a mark on your on your head. Well, what do you think? What's the motivation then? Is it just misunderstanding, or what is the? I mean, I think there's something innate in the Catholic Mm -hmm. impulse or Christian impulse to to go to mass on that day. Why? Well, it's not a holy day of obligation. What is it? I mean, I, Chris, you probably know more than I, but the priests that I talk to say that, like, the number, the most attended mass outside of Christmas and Easter is Ash Wednesday. That's mm-hmm. like, that's the most popular mass. And uh, and yet you have Immaculate Conception or any of these other mm-hmm. <laughs> solemnities. Well, Ash Wednesday is still alive in the culture, you know, as an mm-hmm. idea. It shows you how the culture carries a lot of this stuff. Also, it's very obvious, right? It's kind of a social a liturgical event, right? Because you, what do your what do your ashes look like? Do you have them or not? Oh, you pagan! Oh, I'm going later. You got a smudge. You have got a cross. There's something really tangible about it. Just like makes you feel like you're part of the in crowd if you uh, if you do it. Yeah, yeah. I I think it really does speak to your humanity, the human dimension of uh, of the faith that it is so tangible and visible than the rest. So yeah. Anyway, and sinners know they're sinners. I guess so. Get, take the, the the high road and take the moment for that recognition. Yeah. Well, well, there you go. Uh, Kunagunda, congratulations for winning an argument <laughs> with your spouse. That is always a good thing in my book. Uh, but if you, uh, thank you for your question. And if you have a question for us, you can email us at questions at liturgyguys.com or tweet us at liturgyguys. Thank you. And God bless. And God bless. Another episode of Liturgy Guys has mercifully come to an end. Our hosts are Chris, Get Out of My Dreams and Into My Carsons, Dennis, Big McNamara, and Jesse Y.O.Y.O. Weiler. Our producers are Michael, Don't Be So Coy, and Nathan, First Round Draft Pippin. Our epiclesis inspector is Isabel Ringing. Our liturgical bookkeeper is Miss L. Romano. Our official aerobics instructor is Jen Uflecht. Our enforcer of choral discipline is Don B. Flat. Our official rubrics interpreter is Dewey Neal. Our self-gift provider is Kenosis. Our simplicity enforcer is Fran Siskin. And lastly, our crack team of confessors is Dewey, Shrivam, and Howe. And even though overstoles become understoles when they hear us say it, we are the, the Liturgy, Liturgy Guys. Guys.